Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, coming to you on June the 7th, episode 431, and we're going to do a Texit Wednesday. Yes, I know, it should have been on Tuesday, but if you listen to yesterday's episode, I had a darn good reason why not, and the reason why specifically is there was a huge announcement that came out from the folks over at T&M at 7.30 yesterday. And if you're curious as to what that was all about, I highly suggest you go to tnm.me and watch their video from yesterday. Basically, seven points. The most important thing that I took away that I want to make sure I share with you all is there's going to be a Texitcon or a Texit convention, if you will. It's going to be in Waco. It's going to be in November. And if you go to tnm.me, you can get more information. It should be quite interesting, quite fun. Check it out. Okay, so for today's episode, before we get into the meat of it, let me remind you, you can help me help you by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this show. If you're feeling particularly motivated or excited by anything that I've done or said in the last year and a half or whatever it is, do me a solid rate and review this show. Put it on your favorite podcatcher and let people know that we are trying to hold the line right here in Collin County, Texas. Now, let me add as an aside, many, many people move to Texas because it's the promised land, but they think when they've made it to the promised land, they no longer have to do any work. That, that they've, they've made it to the safe zone, that they're free to relax, they've earned a respite. Well, that may be true to some extent, um, but the battle's here. The, 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 the front lines are here. If you are in another state, more often than not, you are in captured enemy territory. Here, it's the front line. Here is where the battle is at. The progressives never sleep, they never stop, and quite frankly, they're just better organized than we are. However, when they win, they will ultimately lose because what they want to do has never, ever been successful. Okay, so here we go. Today's object lesson. You maybe have been aware of this at some point in the past. Uh, but if not, I'm going to take some time and tell you about a little old place called the state of Jefferson. You see, back in 1940s, yeah, 1940, 1941, uh, the northern part of California and the southern counties of Oregon felt abandoned. They felt left out. They felt like they were not getting represented. They felt like they were being used and abused by their own states their own state capitals. So they they formed together and they came together to create what they called the state of Jefferson. The uh, city of Eureka, California was named the provisional capital in the 1941 proposal, although Port Ortford, Orford, excuse me, in Oregon was also under consideration. Now, there is another revival and they are targeting Northern California specifically. What's interesting is Redding, California, which is red, if you will, 
doesn't seem to want any part of it. But be that as it may, so in 19, and I'm going to give you the story. Here we go. 1941, uh, the mayor of Port Orford, Oregon, Gilbert Gable, said that the Oregon counties of Curry, Josephine, Jackson, and Klamath should join with the California counties of Del Norte, Sirisco, and Modoc to form a new state to be called Jefferson. The reason being is they felt like they had been abandoned. Right? We've already talked about this. They were they were left behind by their own state representatives, by their state capitals. They they were not interested in what these people needed and what they wanted. Now, they uh <laughs> a group of young men in November 27th, 1941, uh, they gained national media attention when they had hunting rifles for dramatic effect, and they stopped traffic on Route 99 just south of Eureka, the county seat of Sierrasco County, and handed out copies of the Proclamation of Independence, stating the state of Jefferson was in patriotic rebellion against the states of California and Oregon and would continue to secede every Thursday until further notice. Now, they point out that the state movement ended quickly, though not before Del Norte County District Attorney John Leon Childs of Crescent City was inaugurated as the governor of the state of Jefferson on December 4th, 1941. Now, the first blow to the movement was the death of Mayor Gable on December 2nd, then followed by the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th. Those in favor of splitting the state focused their efforts on the war which crippled the movement, and coincidentally, the state of Jefferson was one of the few places in the continental United States that actually was subject to an attack during World War II when Japanese pilot dropped bombs on the Oregon coast near Brookings on September 9th, 1942. Now, how many of you were aware that they actually got to the California border, or Oregon, if you will, and were able to drop bombs? I gotta be honest, I was a bit of a World War II buff many, many moons ago, and I had never, ever heard about the actual bombs being dropped on the coast. I heard about the balloon bombs and fire bombs that kind of blew across, and I heard about the, the invasion of uh, Aleutian Island, but that this was news to me, and you know, hey, old dogs learn new tricks, that kind of thing. What's interesting to me is they <laughs> they were having a legitimate movement that had legs and it it's particularly interesting that on December 2nd the guy died I wonder if we need to investigate that 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 seems a little odd and and to go beyond that <laughs> the attack on Pearl Harbor happens I mean be that as it may <laughs> talk about a bad coincidence there right so but those people put down their problems and they moved on and they and they fought and they supported the war as you know they had a common enemy one of the uh one of the things that i want to say and is most interesting to me is their great seal the state of jefferson is two x's for the double cross it uh symbolizes the fact that both state governments had basically left them twisting in the wind. And 
their uh, nickname is the State of Mind. Again, very interesting. Um, just now it exists, but it's a state of mind. So in 1941, I don't think anybody was running around calling these people seditionists. I don't think they were calling them traitors. I, I don't think that, you know, they were being told you can't do that. It's not allowed. And there was, there is a number of county seats and whatever else that were interested in supporting this. And it, even in the 21st century, it's come back up again that there are a number of counties in 2014 that were looking for independence from the state of California. And of course, it got killed in committee because they have to ask the state's permission to leave. So when when our people tell us, well, you're not allowed to do that and uh, they don't even humor us. Just know that there's a long track record of this happening. The the people that are in power don't want to listen to us. They don't care what we have to say. They, you know, they've already made their minds up. What's interesting to me is the whole movement, the whole thing is keyed in on one question. Can we get it on the primary ballot? The simple question is, should Texas reestablish its independence or whatever the exact verbiage is. You'll have to go to tnm.me to get their exact verbiage. But basically it's a non-binding referendum that would be put out with the primary in the Republican party, presumably the Democrat party and ask the question as a voter, would you support looking for a way to independence? We're not asking any of the state reps or the state senators to support the movement or not support the movement. But what we are asking for them is to allow us to be heard. And I've talked about this time and time again, you know, it may turn out that when they put it to an actual vote, only 30% of the people show up and vote in support of it. I mean, I'd be disappointed, but I'm open to the possibility that might happen. And that just means that we have to go back to educational programs and informational uh, seminars and bring people up on the idea that uh, we can determine what our popular sovereignty is. We can determine who our representatives, who our rulers, what our form of government is. Now, I've heard that, you know, if we do this, we're nullifying the U.S. Constitution. Hmm, maybe. I would say a better way of looking at it is the U.S. Constitution is already ignored and we're basically acknowledging that they're ignoring it. Therefore, we're no longer bound by it either. You know, I'm pretty sure it was Lysander Spooner that basically said if the Constitution's working, it didn't stop tyranny. And if it's not working, it didn't stop the tyranny. (laughs) And that's a bad paraphrase. And I will look up the actual quote at some point here. Because I think it's very important to remember that where we're at, we're in post-constitutional America. The America of my childhood no longer exists. The America of the 1970s, the 1980s, and honestly, probably even the early 90s just doesn't exist and is never, ever going to come back. Now, we can weep for that. We can, we can be sad. Or we can be proactive. We can take action. How can we make it better? Well, that's fine. 
We're not going to fix the entire country. We can't fix the entire country. In fact, there's a large segment of the country that not only likes the direction it's gone, it encourages it and wants more of it. And yeah, that's fine. Go to California, go to, go to Oregon, go to Washington state, go to Illinois, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Have at it. You can have all those states. We don't want any of that. Just give us Texas. We'll go our own way. And then 15 years from now, let's get together and find out who's doing better. I know what I think is going to happen, but they won't let us have that option. They're going to do everything in their power to prevent us from having our independence, our own say. And you might ask yourself, well, why would they want to do that? Why do they want to prevent that? Because if they give us an option to do something different or something better, we'll see that what they're doing isn't working. We'll see what it is that they're shoving upon us is not good. We'll, we'll be given better options. I mean, right now, under what's left of federalism, there are several states that are significantly better than other states. I mean, honestly, setting aside weather, take your choice. Where would you rather live? New York? Or Florida. You say, well, maybe that's not fair. Okay. Tennessee or Virginia. Oh, well, that's a lot of closer, isn't it? Well, how about this? Alabama or New Mexico. Again, setting aside the weather, where would you rather live? Anywhere on the West Coast, again, you'd have to give up the ocean, I I know, but anywhere, any of the West Coast states, Oregon, Washington, California, you could live in any of those states or Texas, or for that matter, Montana. I mean, it doesn't have to be a true equivalent, it just has to be the political orientation of those states or the economic opportunities, are they significantly better or worse in the state? And where are people moving versus where are they leaving? The secondary issue with this is a whole lot of those people that are leaving California, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Illinois, they're coming to our states like locusts (laughs) and they're destroying things in their wake. I mean, I know Austin was weird when I got here, but man, it's like San Francisco in the center of our state now. How did that happen? I mean, we we ship normal, decent people to Austin to either go to college or work in the, as in the House of Representatives, and they come back, well, not the same people they were when we sent them there. How did that happen? Why did we allow this? What are we going to do about it? Oh, these are all good questions. So we're talking about Texas. We're talking about how do we do this? We're talking about why would it be better? Why should we even seek to salvage what's left? Well, that's all true. That's all, all positive things. But the reality is the legislature doesn't want to let this happen. And I'm not sure why I, I would think that some of these guys have, you know, egos and they, they think they can do better. Well, we're giving you an opportunity how would you like to be a representative for your for your city, for your county, in your own country? 
How would you like to have the title instead of governor, president? I mean, Greg Abbott is probably going to run for VP and he may get it. But I would think that president of Texas, president of the Republic of Texas is a much better name. Just saying. Now, I know that Greg Abbott has zero interest in this. I I do. I get it. But Greg Abbott would also be wise to let the people have their way. Let the people have their say. We're not asking for much here, buddy. You're on your way out the door anyway. You're either going to be the VP or you're going to retire. Why not let us have our say? You know, and for the doubters out there, if we only get 30% of the vote, well, we know we got our work cut out for us. However, we're... Not some crazy whack job minority that certain people have tried to point us out as being. No, no. 30% is a solid movement. But what what if we hit 60%? 60% of the Republican Party that shows up in a primary to vote says, yeah, we support independence. Now what? Now what are you going to do? I, that's the real reason why they won't do it. That's the real reason why they're such pushback, why they're ignoring us, why they don't, why they don't give us an opportunity because they're afraid. They're afraid. But again, what are they afraid of? I know there's a lot of unknowns. I know there's some questions, but you know what? The world shouldn't be led by cowards. The world shouldn't be led by a bunch of fearful girls. But we we seem to be, that's what we've got right now. Emphasis on the fearful, less the girl. But here we go. How do we fix it? What do we got to do? Well, You've got to reach out to the right people. You've got to reach out and expand your opportunities. There are plenty of people out there. They're not happy. They don't know why they're not happy, but but they know what we've got isn't really good. They they know what we've got could be better. They They know something's lacking. They just don't know what it is. But what if we were to tell them, hey, you know what? There's an opportunity where Texas could regain its independence. We could do our own thing. Hey, you know what? That's okay. You don't want to you don't want to text it with us? That's right. I hear Louisiana's really nice this time of year. Better yet, you know, New Mexico's got some really cool mountains. You can go check that out. I mean, there are options here. You know, and actually if Texas gains its independence, I mean, we could create the free state of Houston and all the people that really want to pretend they're still Americans, then go live in Houston. We can teleport <laughs> teletransport or helo transport. There we go. Helo transport, all the folks in Austin, we can drop them back off in San Francisco where they'd be right at home. I promise we'll give you a trip all the way there. <laughs> For those of you that don't get the reference, I'm sorry. <laughs> we won't be flying over the ocean. How about that? Um, really, honestly, there, there are tons of options here. There's tons of ways to explain this and explore it. And, and those people... And they're good people. And I know lots of them. They're really concerned about the Constitution. They're really concerned about this isn't the best option. This isn't constitutionally allowable, blah, 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 blah. That's fine. But the current, these United States ignores the Constitution as it is. They have zero regard for the Constitution as it is. And our representatives and Congress in D.C., generally don't give a rip about what we say and what we want, and they just do whatever they do. Now, honestly, the folks down in Austin are only marginally better, 
But if we're in our own country, some of those people run off. They'll go join the other 49 states. We'll put a millstone around their neck on their way out the door. How about that? I, You know, that's one of the most interesting things about all of this is the people in charge don't like our country. They clearly don't, but they don't want us to leave either. They, they want to punish anybody that dares to question them. They, they want to restrict everybody's ability to think and speak of their own. They want to hmm, curtail anybody that questions the narrative. Does this at all sound familiar to any of you who have read any dystopian novel at any time in your life? But you think this is good. This is normal. I'm curious, can we have a plebiscite? I mean, how hard would that be to pull off? I mean, I'm sure they'd steal the election, but I mean, we got to try it. We got to at least explore the opportunity. But again, they're fearful. They don't want us to be able to be heard or to do actions of our own. And why is that? Why is there such great fear? You've got to reach out to these people. You've got to speak to them in terms they understand. The idea of using a little honey and not vinegar. So I've got I've got representatives in my county. Some that I'm mildly pleased with, some that I'm less than pleased with. You know, I try and be friendly, I try and be even keel and open and have a balanced interaction with them. But I got to say If I were to be rude, condescending, act like them, towards them, I don't think that would go over very well. And and to be fair and to be clear, it's really only one that has that problem. But, I mean, if you live in Collin County, you know exactly what I'm saying. If you don't, yeah. But, look, they want to have friendly conversations. They They want to be treated with respect. It's not that hard. We in the grassroots... We, we owe them at least that. And again, the idea that they're going to do 70% or more of what we want or what we desire, that's a pretty good starting point. I mean, look, there are deal breakers, right? You, you, uh, you bring back abortions, you, uh, to try to confiscate firearms. Yeah. Those are significant deal breakers. I'm out. But beyond that, well, we can have a conversation. We, we we can discuss that. We can negotiate certain things. You don't violate my principles. You don't try and curtail my rights. And we're good. We can have those conversations. The problem is, I think a lot of these guys and ladies that go down to Austin, they get full of themselves. They get full of the power they think they have or that they want. And they get detached and it's our job and our opportunity to speak to them, talk to them, and quite frankly, reel them back in. Bring them back down to earth, as it were. We're supposed to be on the same team. I'm on Team R. If you're on Team R, I'm your ally. We need to talk. We need to be friendly. We need to be able to work together. We need to have a better outcome. But we don't do that, and we don't do it well. Again, I would suggest... Nobody's asking anybody to sacrifice their principles. Certainly not me. I would take a principle stand on on any number of issues and I would stand in front of the tank, as it were, 
But do any of you remember what happened to the guy that stood in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square? Anyone? Yeah, he got squished. Now, people remember the picture, but they don't remember the outcome. Well, there's a number of issues that I'm willing to stand in front of the tank for. But then there are the vast majority of them. No. I'm going to step out of the way. I'm going to stealthily avoid the tank. What I'm suggesting to you, there are things worth fighting over. There are, there are things that we can negotiate, we can make peace over. And then there are some other things that are somewhere in between. And you have to have that open discussion. You have to be willing to at least hear the other person out. Yes, you can stand on your convictions. You can stand on your principles. But you don't have to be a jerk about it either. And that goes both ways. I, I mean, my team, right? I'm on Team R. And, and I'm on the right side of Team R. And a lot of my friends, and a lot of my allies, they're exasperated. They're tired of being pooped on, for a better phrase. They're tired of being ignored. But when you act out and you're rude and dismissive back to the very people that you helped get elected, do you really think they're going to be all that interested in hearing from you? If you call them up every week and beat them up for the various things that they've done, deserving or not, and you're rude and mean about it, do you think they're going to listen to what you have to say? No, they're going to tune you out. I mean, look... How many of you have served in customer service? I have. I have oodles of experience in customer service. And let me tell you something. I've learned that when somebody's all cranked up and amped up and they're venting on you and screaming and yelling and whatever else, it does you zero good to argue with them. It does you zero good to push back. You let them get it out of their system. And then you have to ask the question, well, what can I do to make it right? How can I help you? And they may start up all over again. They may be still upset and they just needed a break to get their breath. But you cannot mistreat people. The problem is those state reps, those state centers, they work for us. They're supposed to have people that are on their behalf, are their customer service interfaces for us. Yes, uh, Mr. Callis, I realize that you are unhappy with congressman or representative or senator's uh, vote on this issue. How can I help you? Well, let me tell you, uh, Representative Smith, uh, your uh, state senator Jones here, he violated this or he he, uh, broke the constitutional restriction on that or he supports this or he supports that. And I got to tell you, I'm not real happy about that. And I'd really like him to reconsider that. Or perhaps I might need to evaluate whether or not I'd be willing to vote for him in the future. There's no threats. There's no raising voices. There's no yelling at the middle person, right? That guy's going to give a report. Hey, Representative, uh, I've heard from one of your constituents. And, uh, you know, he was one of about 50 phone calls I got today. And I want to let you know. They're not real happy about this issue. They'd really like you to reconsider. They say it violates the Constitution. They they say that the... Now, the representative, honestly, in most cases, going to go in in one ear and out the other. Excuse me. But at least he got the message. At least he heard something about it. But do you think that that guy or that lady that you're screaming at and yelling at and berating is going to 
<laughs> go to any lengths to help you get your message across. I mean, think about it. This is communication, right? We want to be able to communicate to other people. We want to use that honey. It's not just for Texas. It's for everything. Every major issue that you're engaging with your representative, your state senator, heck, even your congressman. If you're going to call them, you need to be respectful. You need to have a cordial conversation of why you think this is a bad idea or why you think this is a great idea. You should reconsider these issues for this purpose. They may still shut you down, but if you treat them respectfully and you engage with them in a personal level, guess what? The next time you call them, they are likely to listen more closely. They're likely to be more open to what you have to say. And honestly, that's what the folks in Texas are looking at doing this next couple of years. They're going to engage and work their relationships they've built over the last several years. They want these people to be their allies, their friends. Yeah, they're not going to win them all over. Yes, they're not going to you know, bad a thousand, but I'm here to tell you that directly translates to what we're doing at every level. If you're not going to work with the people that are there, you're just going to find yourself frozen out. You're not going to have any opportunity to influence anything that goes on. People in team R, that's my team. They're not my enemy. Some of them can be jerks. Some of them I could prefer were never elected again, but they're still my team. I have to find a way to deal with them. And I'm going to encourage you, whether you've got a D or an I or an L or G or whatever after your name, work with your own team. Improve your situation. I am confident Team Texit is going to continue to build their army, continue to build their network. This isn't going away. Indeed, we'll be back again. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that it stays right where it belongs on our platform going into the 2025 session. And with that, let's wrap it up. Have a good night and I will see you on the other side.